the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Good afternoon. I'm Jim Stanley in for Brother Bert Harper. It's my privilege to be almost in studio, in studio by audio at least, with Dr. Alex McFarland. And uh, folks, Alex is one of those guys that travels a lot. And you can keep up with him at alexmcfarland.com. That's alexmcfarland.com. He also has some resources available there. And you can even find information on how to bring him to your community. Alex, good afternoon. Oh, good afternoon, Brother Jim. You are so gracious to talk about our ministry. And, you know, speaking of resources, one of those is a book that came out in October called 100 Bible Questions and Answers. My co-author is a, a, a brother you might have heard of, Bert Harper. I've heard and, of him. Yeah, and it's at the AFA store. And uh, this book, we, we're really, if I can say proud of it, I don't mean prideful, but we're, I guess it's just very gratifying that the Lord allowed us to do this, that we took 100 questions that came from uh, you, the listeners. And uh, keep those questions coming in, by the way. The, uh, if you want to reach out to us, word at AFR.net, W-O-R-D, word at AFR.net. And your uh, question might become the basis for a future show or might wind up in our book. But um, we used that book last fall during share as kind of a little thank you gift. And Jim, now it's in the AFA store and the publisher, Broad Street. We met with them, Bert and I met with them at um, NRB last week, and they, they want Bert and I to write at least one or two and maybe several more books. But... Um, they say that that book is really selling, and we just completely praise God for that. Amen. That is good news. Uh, I'm glad that's working out so well. And by the way, they have changed the name at the store. It's no longer the uh, store. It's the AFA Resource Center, and okay. the website sure. is resources.afa.net. That's resources.afa.net. And mm-hmm. so um, that folks can find that book there. They can find some other resources available there as well. In addition, um, Alex, you'll have to help me. I believe it was 21 questions. Uh, you did mm-hmm. a video accompaniment to it. We did. And, you know, I completely give God the glory. Um, in fact, if you go to resources.afa.net, I'm on that uh, site now, there are several things that Bert and I have done. But last Thursday night, uh, Angie and I, my wife Angie and I, had dinner with Lauren Green, uh, Fox News, and she was there, a dear Christian sister and journalist, and she was there to give out an award for uh, one of the things they do at NRB. They give out like video curriculum of the year and video of the year and things like In His Image uh, and The God Who Speaks are some of the video projects that uh, American Family Studios has done that just have been highly, highly praised. Well, four years ago, I did this curriculum called the 21 Questions Your Kids Will Ask About God, and we did it there with the crew of AFA Studio, and it won Curriculum of the Year. And so uh, I, that was a blessing because there was some pretty impressive competition. <laughs> but uh, anyway... We give God the glory because, Jim, the Scriptures, they not only inspire and inform and convict, but the Word of God empowers people. It it really does, and this is part of why we do Exploring the Word, because we know that the Word of God empowers people to stand strong for the gospel and to influence others as well. And so we're not just about making resources. We're— we're doing our best to equip the church to fulfill the Great Commission, aren't we? Amen. We sure are. And today we're going to be studying from the 68th Psalm. And Alex, I think we made it to about verse 23, because I remember you reading that your foot may crush them in blood and the tongues of your dogs may have their portion from your enemies. And then we Mm -hmm. kind of switch gears a little bit. 
And verse 24, they have seen your procession, O God, the procession of my God, my King, into the sanctuary. The singers went before, the players on their instruments followed after, among them were maidens playing timbrels. Bless God and the congregations, the Lord from the foundation of Israel. You know, Alex, can you imagine if we entered church that way every Sunday? Mm. Well, you know, a, a lot of what this psalm is about is, you know, praising God, the victorious God of the universe. And, you know, uh, yesterday we talked about 19, where it says God loads us with benefits. But you mentioned verse 23, that thy foot may be dipped in the blood of thine enemies. Uh, the Bible has a, a lot to say about feet. You know, how beautiful are the feet of those that take the good news, mm-hmm. you know, to the hills and the valleys. Uh, the Bible has a lot to talk about, you know, Christ's feet even. And when he returns, his feet will touch down on uh, the Mount of Olives. But in Genesis 3.15, which is a promise about the Savior that would come, sometimes it's called the first gospel, uh, proto-evangelium, uh, but it talks about the foot of the, the seed of the woman, the foot of this seed, the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. And when it talks about the Lord is going to bring his people again and, uh, you know, his foot dipped in the blood of the enemies and the tongue of thy dogs in the same, they have seen thy goings, O God, even the goings of my God, my king in the sanctuary. There's a, there's a relationship between the nature of God, the worship of God, and the victory of God. And uh, I know there's a lot of language in here that is probably a little bit foreign to some of our modern uh, ears, you know, uh, the God, God wounding the head of his enemies and his foot crushing them in blood. But let me say this, God is victorious. God is victorious over his enemies, over the plans of Satan, uh, over, you know, the it might look like the world is far afield a from God's plan. But you know what, Jim? I am so glad that God is not only victorious, God's power and position is not in jeopardy, but even the Lord's plans for humanity are going to be fulfilled in spite of the opposition of Satan and fallen man. Amen. And it, it doesn't matter how it gets done, but we know that God will be the ultimate victor and that it will come in a time and place of his choosing. And it's been prophesied. You know, we talk about prophecy a lot and we talk about different things a lot, but ultimately it's God who's going to start that into action. You know, there's we, and folks, I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying here, but sometimes we get so caught up in the commas and the semicolons and the colons and the question marks and the periods that we forget the the simple fact that we don't have to argue over end times. We don't have to argue about different viewpoints of end times because our, it's not our end time beliefs that ultimately provide our salvation, is it, Alex? No, it isn't. Um, and, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that because, um, folks, if you hear the word eschatology, now, that's kind of a big uh, 85-cent word, it sounds like. But eschatology refers to last things or end-time things. Now, here is the point of orthodoxy on which we all agree that Jesus is coming back. Literally, Jesus is coming back one day, and he will rule and reign, and the, the, the evil workings of, of a fallen world and Satan and sin, it will all be vanquished. Now... Within that point of orthodoxy, there are some different schools of thought about, Jim, what I would call the fine print, the minutia. And, and I want to say, um, I don't think Christians should ever have a falling out over um, the, the, the details, because we all agree. You know, what um, the angels said, uh, "'Ye men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing into the heavens? This same Jesus will return in like manner.'" So we all agree. doesn't matter if you sleep in the pews or jump over them. All true Christians agree Jesus is coming back. Now, within that, I mean, 
different ones in in good faith in with good intent have tried to parse out all the details but there's pre pre-tribulational mid-tribulational uh post-tribulational and post-toasties i was gonna know, say and don't forget pan-tribulational pan-tribulation it's right. all gonna pan out that's right but you know what um i think that as the world gets darker jim more than ever we need unity within the body of Christ. Mm. And and if you're friends, if you're I'm only speaking for Alex here, but I believe everybody would give me an amen. Look, you love Jesus. He's the Son of God. On the cross, he shed his blood to wash our sin away. And by faith in Jesus, we are saved. And he's coming again to make everything right. Well, we're family, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, we need each other. Hey, i got to throw something in here. This is so interesting in verse 24 of Psalm 68. Jim Stanley and I are in Psalm 68. Uh, join us if you can. It says, They have seen thy goings, O God, even thy goings of my God, my King, in the sanctuary. Now, the word that the old King James renders goings is the word procession, uh, like a processional. Jim, I, I would submit... Um, the great processional of God uh, going to achieve salvation was really Palm Sunday. Mm. You know, now Christ is coming back victorious, and we're in this time out called the Church Age. Jesus victoriously entered Jerusalem. We're going to celebrate that really soon with Easter coming up. They said Hosanna, and just hours later they were saying crucify him, crucifying, crucify him. But you know what? Um, that processional of the king entering Jerusalem. You might think it's been uh, temporarily interrupted by 2,000 years of uh, the crucifixion, the the rejection of the Messiah, the church age, with all of the painful history that's come and gone. But I would say this, the the entering of the king victoriously into his sanctuary has not been derailed, has not been obstructed. Christ is coming, and his kingship has never, ever been jeopardized, not even for a minute. Amen. You know, um, when we get to the part where we're going to take phone calls here in a little bit, don't want to give out the number yet. You'll just get a busy signal, and we don't want to frustrate you. But um, when we get to that point, I've got a question that I'm going to ask you, and it's going to deal with some of what you just talked about and how it impacts us in this day and age. So we'll, I'll put a pin in that, and we'll come back to that then. Um, you were talking about the processional, and you were talking about uh, Palm Sunday and, and how that took place. And, you know, when you think about these things, how much more is the processional of the wedding feast of the Lamb? I, I have a hard time even picturing that in my head. Uh, the wedding feast of the Lamb, like yes, when Christ returns and mm-hmm. we're at the banquet table. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, uh, Jim, you, you've been a pastor, and I've been a pastor. Uh, I've I've performed a few wedding ceremonies. It's been my honor to be the officiant at a few weddings, and I'm sure you as well, right? Yes, sir. Is, isn't there just something glorious about the bridegroom and the bride and all the families coming together? See, friend, in salvation, Jesus has actually invited you to a wedding, Mm. and you get to be part of the bride. That and more coming your way next as Exploring the Word continues on AFR. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Amanda Lefton, Director of the Bureau of Ocean Energy Management. Her office manages offshore energy and mineral resources in an environmentally and economically responsible way. Proverbs 115.16 reminds us of God's blessings of land. The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth He has given to mankind. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, We ask for guidance for Amanda Lefton as she manages our nation's resources. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is the service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Get your 2022 prayer guide 
and make this the year of prayer. Available now at pausetopray.org. Going fast is no guarantee that you're actually getting anywhere. Dr. Tony Evans says that disconnect between activity and accomplishment can get us into all kinds of trouble as individuals and as the church. He'll explain today as we spend two minutes with Tony. GM is measured by one thing, whether cars are coming out of there. If cars are coming out of there, all the activity in GM is irrelevant. Because if they're not producing cars, then they're just walking around talking and eating and enjoying each other and twiddling. No, if there is no car, it has failed, no matter how big the building is. And if we aren't making disciples, we have failed. Because God is trying to make kingdom disciples, not just accumulate church members. He's trying to get people who will live all of their lives consistently, progressively, growingly under the Lordship, kingdomized under the rule of God and the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And that is what he is after. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 10, verse 22 and 23 says God's philosophy of history is that all things come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ and that he is in charge of your life. He has become the dictator of your existence. So now there's a decision to be made. That is the recognition that you are now in covenantal alignment underneath God. That decision has to be made. I'm surrendered to the king who happens to be my dad because I have a relationship, but I'm also surrendered. And he calls for surrender for everybody. If you've never surrendered yourself to God and experienced his unconditional love and forgiveness, visit TonyEvans.org today and click on the link that says Jesus. You'll find complete information and free resources to help you. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back. I'm Jim Stanley in for Brother Bert Harper. Bert should be back with us tomorrow, and I believe, Alex, you'll be here as well. So the yes. uh, regular dynamic duo will be in place for tomorrow's Exploring the Word. Well, we're always glad to have you, Jim, and you are so faithful to help us out when when either Bert or myself are traveling, and you bring so much to the table, and we appreciate you sincerely, brother. Well, it's my pleasure to be here anytime I can. Um, we're in the 68th Psalm, Psalm 68, and Alex, we were right at verse 25, I believe. Mm-hmm. We we were, and you know, before the break, you you mentioned like the wedding supper, marriage supper of the Lamb. The right. Bible talks about the fact that all of the believers are going to come to a banquet, and you know, throughout history, weddings, uh, because there's so much going on. There's not just the bride and the groom, but there are the joining of families, their people, and purpose, and commitment, and joy. Uh, Jim, uh, I don't want to get us off track, but I, I love the fact that the Christian message, yes, I mean, it's history, it's reality. Jesus lived, Jesus rose from the dead. And let me say this, folks, the gospel is about uh, what are called truth claims. Now, now, hang with me, folks. A proposition is a truth claim, uh, and all truth claims are either true or false. For instance, if I make the claim, you know, Jim Stanley and I are live on the radio— well, that's the truth. We really are. Okay, so the Christian message makes some propositional claims. God exists. God loves you. Sin is serious. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. If you turn to Christ, you will be forgiven. Okay, and those are all true. But do you know what? More than just cold, hard truth, although it is true, most certainly so, but more than that, God is writing a story, and it's a love story. And the gospel is God's love to you to invite you into a relationship. And Jim, part of the reason I say this is religion, C.S. Lewis once said that religion, uh, all the world's religions were, were so boringly similar, works, and yet God invites you into a love story and a wedding 
The gospel is very much a wedding invitation that you become espoused to Jesus. And Jim, I think that's why the most beloved songs in all of history, from Amazing Grace to the Hallelujah Chorus Mm. to uh, Phillips, Craig, and Dean, you know, I mean, the greatest songs, some of the greatest art and paintings. Part of the reason Christianity has given us the arts is because uh, God hasn't just thrown some words at us. He's invited us into, quite literally, the greatest story ever told. He has, and as you mentioned, you know, you think of the hymns of the church. Uh, you think of some of the new hymns from uh, Keith and Kristen Getty. You mentioned mm. Phillips, Craig, and Dean, and, uh, you know, there are other folks out there that are creating new music. Mercy Me. <laughs> Mercy Me, Casting Crowns. I mean, there's a host of them. And when you look at what they're writing, you know, you can tell they know who they're writing about and then who they're singing to. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and that's one of the things that makes those ministries unique. Because at the same time, you can also tell those groups that are out there just to make themselves known. But unless we mm-hmm. make much of Jesus, it's for naught. But when we put Jesus first and center point, then everything else falls into place. Well, and, and let me just say this. Um, I've, I've done a few weddings. Actually, I don't know, probably four dozen weddings in 30 years of being in the ministry. And I've had people say, I don't know why I cry at weddings, you know, and I say, it's okay, because it's a, a beautiful thing. Um, sometimes a wedding moves people emotionally. Sometimes a great song moves people emotionally. Sometimes a great story moves people. I think folks, it moves us down at the core of our soul because somehow deep down we remember that we are in a love story. We are in a great drama. And you know, one of the beautiful things about the Bible, and certainly Psalm 68 attests to that, is that, look, uh, the, the suitor is faithful. You might have been let down. There might be somebody listening and people you trusted in didn't come through for you. Jesus will. You might have opened your heart to show love and and really made yourself vulnerable, and then you were brutally shattered and hurt. Jesus will pick up the pieces. And that's why um, we, we, we talk about the Lord. We talk about his word. We urge you to come to the gospel because Jesus is precisely what the human heart really is longing for. Jesus is the one who the broken heart is searching for. And uh, uh, on and on we could go, Mm -hmm. but every human walking this planet right now, seven billion people plus, you either have Christ or you need Christ, but Jesus is who and what each of us really, really, really needs. Amen. Uh, In verse 28, there in the 68th Psalm, says, Your God has commanded your strength. Strengthen us, O God, what you have done for us. Because of your temple at Jerusalem, kings will bring you will bring presents to you. Rebuke the beast of the reeds, the herd of bulls with the calves of the peoples, till everyone submits himself with pieces of silver. Scatter the peoples who delight in war. Envoys will come out of Egypt, Ethiopia will quickly stretch out their hands to God. Sing, O earth. And, and Alex, before we go into verse 32, because that next part there is such a beautiful benediction uh, uh, for the 68th Psalm, I'd like for you to go and uh, just unpack some of what we just read and and help us with that. Well, you know, uh, beautiful words here. Sing unto God, ye kingdoms of the earth. They sing praises to the Lord. Uh do you know what the Bible talks about? Um, if you're on your way to the courtroom for a dispute to be settled, the Bible says, you know, uh, resolve it with your enemy before you get before the judge because you might wind up uh, worse off than, than you realized. And, you know, it talks about uh, coming to God and uh, um, with pieces of silver, submit yourself. Because let me say this, there, there's a, a price to pay for wrongdoing. Mm. And the, the pieces of silver, you can't buy your way to heaven, 
but it, it does talk about or it's implying that um, when somebody's in the wrong, there's there's got to be restitution made. Now, here's the point. Um, we need we need to know that we're right with God because he's a holy, righteous God. We're a fallen, sinful people. And so come to God before the moment of judgment. The time to turn to Christ is why you've got an opportunity. Um, the people that want to fight God, the people who delight in war will be scattered. Uh, envoys will come out of Egypt. By the way, um, Egypt is, is often uh, equated with the world system. Uh, let me say, in a spiritual sense, you don't want to be in Egypt. You want to be in Jerusalem. Uh, you, you don't want to be part of the world. You want to be part of the family of God. And the way you do that is through faith in the Messiah that was sent. I, I love some of these um, words in, in verses 32 through 35. Mm-hmm. Sing to God, you kingdoms of the earth. Oh, sing praises to the Lord. Selah. To him who rides on the heavens of heavens, which were of old, indeed, he sends out his voice, a mighty voice, ascribe strength to God. His excellence is over Israel, and his strength is in the clouds. You, O God, are more awesome than your holy places. This is important. The God of Israel is he who gives strength and power to his people. Blessed be God. That line there, uh, and and this is a, a psalm of David, you're more awesome than your holy places. See, as much as we are moved by the creation, we don't worship the creation. We worship the creator, don't we, Jim? Absolutely. And I think that line there, that part of that psalm should be engraved on every new church that's built in America. Mm. Because so many Good times word. we get into a new building and we want, and I'm not saying that we don't want to take care of the house of God. Don't don't misunderstand me. But, folks, we have to remember that that's a place for hurting people to come in. And sometimes mm. hurting, hurting people are messy. Sometimes they're smelly. Sometimes they may not have the cleanest clothes on. But you can't forbid them from coming into the sanctuary that was built to bring them to Christ in the first place. Exactly, exactly. Um Bert and I have said this, and, and we're not trying to be trite or, you know. No, not it, at all. But, um, uh, you know, don't love the blessings, love the blesser. Now, we, we thank God for the blessings, including the blessing of a beautiful, beautiful sanctuary. Mm-hmm. But, Jim, I've, I've often thought about, you know, the sanctuary is a tool. A building is a tool. Mm-hmm. A microphone is a tool. I, I, I've been privileged, Jim, to be in more than 2,000 American churches Old churches, historic churches, new churches, contemporary, modern, um, and simple, humble structures that are for the gathering of the saints. And I listen, I appreciate, especially back on the East Coast, I mean, I've, I preached in Providence, Rhode Island, at Providence Evangelical Friends Church, built in 1620. Mm. As far as they know, the oldest continually used sanctuary in America, and they said that um, that was where Jackie Onassis, when she was a child, her family would vacation, and a time or two she came to that church as a little girl. And, but you know, very, very, very historic, 1620. But you know what? That They were the first to say, we're here because we're the family of God who worships the living Jesus, and we appreciate this building, but this building is not the church. We, the born-again believers, we are the church. Amen. And and I think many, many of the great historic churches would say that. So don't, don't worship the building. Uh, worship the one whose name that building was built to honor. Amen. Um, and I know that, you know, we talk about that from time to time, but sometimes I think we just need to be reminded. Now, on the flip side of that, if you happen to be walking the, the church after church is over and you've been visiting with some friends, and you see a bulletin on the floor, guess what? You can bend over and pick that bulletin up. If you happen to see chewing gum wrappers on the pews, you can be the one that picks those up. You don't have to wait for somebody else to do it. And then you have contributed to maintaining the house of the Lord. And, And I really think sometimes we forget that it's a hospital for the hurting. It is. You know, Vance Havner, um, Bert and I quote Vance Havner a lot. He was a 
an evangelist, very influential in the life of Billy Graham. But he said the church is uh, a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. And uh, I thought that was a good quote because um, we don't ever we don't ever want to presume and think that you know we've got it all together. Uh, listen, if if any of us have anything together, it's the good Lord holding us in His hand together. Uh, but I, I want to say this too. I always liked it whenever we would have a church work day because it's like so many things in the Christian life, Jim, it's a balance. We don't worship the building, and it's not just right. this, you know, hothouse orchid, oh, nobody nobody do anything. No, it's a tool for reaching people, for young people, old people, smelly people, fragrant people. But at the same time, like you say, <laughs> pick up a bulletin on the floor, you know? Fragrant um, people, it took me a moment. Yes. Well, and, and let me say this. Um, I know a lot of the older sanctuaries have an organ, and that's great. Praise God. Uh, and then you have youth in that maybe there's a contemporary praise team. Uh, I've been in a couple of churches where they said, Preacher, come settle a dispute here. This group came in from some ministry, and they, they brought an amplifier into the sanctuary. Can you believe it? And I said, yeah. Uh, uh, did youth come and hear the gospel and sing God's praises? Well, yeah, but it was uh, 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 one of those electric guitars. I was like, well, praise God. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, you know. They didn't know who they were talking to. Listen, um, <laughs> we all have our preferences, don't we? Absolutely. And, uh, folks, let me just say this in your standing for what's true and standing for the gospel. There's preferences and there are convictions. Mm. Convictions, Jesus is the Son of God, the Bible is the Word of God. But then there are preferences, and maybe you're organ and piano, praise God. Maybe you're more about there's uh, drums and djembe and acoustic guitar. But you know what? If it's singing the praises of the one true Savior and bringing people to a knowledge of the gospel— I don't care if they're beating on a garbage can lid. If right. that's bringing people to Christ, have at it. Am I right, Jim? Absolutely, sir. I I would concur with that 100%. Well, folks, I'll tell you what. We're going to go ahead and open the phone lines this afternoon and get some calls coming in at 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Is the number to call, and we'll get to your Bible questions here. And Alex says we kind of switch gears that way. I have a I have a question to kind of kick us off. Yes, sir. What's the difference in the period of silence between the Old Testament and New Testament, and the silence as we wait on Christ's return, or is there silence? Is there even any silence with the Holy Spirit? In believers' lives? Great question. Jim, uh, I commend you for a great question. Well, you know, the intertestamental period, sometimes they call it the period of silence. See, Malachi was the last book of the Old Testament, and from the writing of Malachi to the birth of Jesus was about 400 years. And uh, but, but God wasn't silent. In fact, about 200 to 250 B.C., the Old Testament was translated to Greek. That was called the Septuagint. So God was definitely working, and while we wait on Christ's return, He's working now. So God is never fully silent. More to come on Exploring the Word here on AFR. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. Friendships is looking for full-time volunteer men and women who are serious about serving God, investing time in rewarding work, and helping people in need around the world. There is no charge to serve. Room and board are provided. A willing heart and a desire to work as part of a team are the primary skills required. 
Check out the opportunities at friendships.org or email portmercy at friendships.org. That's portmercy at friendships.org. What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. According to the World Health Organization, abortion was the leading cause of death worldwide in 2018. As of December 31st, 2018, 41.9 million babies were murdered in the womb. That's more than the 8.2 million people who died from cancer, more than the 5 million who died from smoking, and more than the 1.7 million who died from HIV AIDS in 2018 globally combined. Thomas Jefferson once said, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just, that his justice cannot sleep forever. Lord, please strengthen us to abolish this wickedness. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with a minute in God's Word to help you keep moving forward. Isaiah 43 verse 2 says this, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not overwhelm you. In 2010, a terrible rainstorm devastated Nashville, Tennessee. Some homes flooded all the way to their rooftops. A terrified expectant mother went into labor in her home without access to medical help. But a doctor who lived not far away was able to trudge through the flooded streets to assist her in the delivery. In spite of raging floodwaters, both mom and baby were saved. When the waters rise in your life, God is with you, and He will never leave you or forsake you. He'll lead you safely through the storm, so don't be afraid. Jesus is Lord of your storm, and He will keep you safe. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. 1 Peter 3, 14 through 16. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. As we go, let us make disciples. As we go, Good afternoon. Welcome back. I'm Jim Stanley in for Brother Bert Harper, along with Dr. Alex McFarland. Folks, the number to call is 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Now, Alex, did you have any other comments on the the topic just before we went to break? Well, you know, um, we might think that uh, Christ's return is long in coming, but the Bible says, you know, near the end of time, scoffers will say, you know, where is the promise of his coming? You know, for since the fathers fell asleep, everything has continued the way it's been. No, God is at work. God, God is not uh, asleep, nor has he left us. Christ is coming. And just like, you know, Galatians 4, 4 says, in the fullness of time, after 400 years, Ma- Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John mm-hmm. uh, tell the, the story of the coming of Christ, at just the right time, Christ will return. And Jim, we may be very near that return. We don't know, but we know that we are to be ready. Absolutely. Well, let's go to the phones this afternoon. And we're going to start off with Steve calling from, pardon me, Texas. Good afternoon, Steve. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, how are y'all? I hope you can hear me. I'm trying to cut this dozer off. But anyway, I I had a customer ask me a question about Luke 4. I think it's 23. It says, uh, Physician, heal thyself. Um, what's your take on, on that? I know it's Jesus was, I kind of felt like he was saying that cause he was dusting his feet off of that town, his town that he was raised in. But anyway, what's your take on that? Uh, great question. Uh, Jim, forgive me for just jumping in here, but 
uh, Jesus quotes kind of an old saying, and here's what he's um, talking about. You know, he started his ministry, and they said, well, is this not Joseph's son? Verse 22, and he said unto them, you will surely say unto me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. Okay, so this was kind of a, a, a proverb or a saying. Now, a, a physician, if he's a doctor, okay, if he's authentic, he could heal himself. Because look, if you can't heal yourself, you probably can't heal others, and therefore somebody wouldn't be an authentic doctor. So the saying, you know, hey, hey, doctor, get yourself well before you preach to us. That was essentially the crowd saying, um, we want to know that you're for real. And a prophet in his own country is is not with with honor. Why? Because isn't this Joseph's son? Hey, we've known him since he was just a little boy. Jim, have you ever heard the old saying, an expert is somebody from at least 50 miles away? Right. Um, and and so I'll say this, that they've, they've always told me the hardest people to win to Christ are your own family members. The hardest place to pastor a church is in your own hometown. In fact, uh, Jim, when I was in seminary, they advised, you know, go go away from the place you grew up. Because people know you, and even if you prove yourself and prove yourself, you know, you're still the, the little boy from next door. So I, I think what Christ was saying here in Luke 4, 22 through 24, was the, the people who've known you your, your whole life are going to be the hardest ones to come around to believe you're who you say you are. Amen. Let's... Stay in Texas and visit with Chad. Chad, good afternoon, and welcome to Exploring the Word. Hello, Chad. Yes, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yes, welcome. Okay. Yes, thank you. Um, yes, my question today is, how long did John the Baptist uh, preach or whatnot before Jesus himself started his ministry? Alex, we know that John the Baptist was a little older than Christ by a few months, but I don't, and you you will probably have more information on this than I would, but I don't think the Scripture tells us that clearly, does it? Well, it, interesting, and I'm glad you talked about this, but in Luke chapter 3, it says, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, that John comes preaching uh, in in the wilderness. And so the 15th year of Tiberius Caesar, now scholars uh, know that he began his reign in 14 AD. So John the Baptist's ministry must have started around 28 to 29 AD, right? And we know Jesus ministered for three years. So uh, roughly... Um, and by the way, Luke, the Gospel of Luke is really, really full of details and things like that. So, um, you know, it, it was at least two to three years, and we know that he was beheaded before Christ was crucified. So if he began in the year 28-29, and we know that Jesus was crucified, they believe uh, Passover 32 A.D., uh, and John the Baptist died before the crucifixion of the Lord, it, it had to be roughly a two- to three-year ministry, but um, before 32 A.D. that he would have died. Mm. Amen. All right, Chad, good question. Appreciate you calling this afternoon. And we're going to stay in Texas. Texas is a big state, so I guess we have— I know we have a lot of listeners out there, and it's good to hear from them today. Trenton calling from Texas. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, guys. Uh, second day in a row. I appreciate y'all. Um, I appreciate just had you. a question and, and, um, and just wanted to get y'all's uh, you know, opinion. And um, So at church we were kind of studying, uh, you know, Gog and, and Magog, the, the countries listed that would come against Israel. Um, and I know there's, there's a lot of speculation on it and everything, but um, I can't remember what the name was, but um, 
um, I was talking to someone and, th- and they said that Ukraine uh, would have been believed to be a part of those um, set lists. And we just got to talking about how, um, that you know, we thought that maybe Ukraine had to fall, you know, to Russia or to someone else at some point um, due to the prophetic um, them being a part that comes against Israel. Okay, Trenton. Uh, Alex, do you want to speak to that? Well, you know, um, I want to encourage people to read Ezekiel 38 and 39, but also Jeremiah 50. Um, Some people have felt like, because part of this question is, you know, where is America in Bible prophecy? And and I don't know, um, I don't think you can definitively say that America does or doesn't exist. Some people say, well, you know, America's not even mentioned, and of course, Jim, when the New Testament was finished around 96 A.D., you know, it would be 1,800 more years or 1,700 more years before America would exist. And uh, But here's the thing. Uh, a lot of Bible scholars have believed that Russia would declare war on much of Europe and the West. Now, where does that put the Ukraine uh, as part of the former Soviet Union and definitely part of part of Europe. Um, I don't know that there's anything in the Bible that directly references Ukraine, but um, maybe do they have to fall for end-time things to come about? I, I don't like to think that way because here's the thing. We're supposed to do good and leave the results to God. I've, I've had people ask me, Jim, they'll say, well, you know, all this iniquity and this sin and this evil, it's actually a good thing because it's hastening the end of time. Where to go, if you read Matthew 28, 18 through 20, where to go and make disciples? Preach the gospel to all creatures. We're supposed to, you know, um, make disciples, preach the gospel. Um, we're, we don't need to focus on the level of sin and what nations have to fall and how much darkness has to proliferate. Uh, now we know it will. Nations will fall. Evil men will wax worse and worse. Um, but I don't think that we can definitively know other than Israel. Okay, we know Israel is going to be vehemently attacked. Um, and we know that that attack will come from the north. Well, what's north of Israel? Russia. And that's why Ezekiel 38 and 39 talk about um, Rosh which is an ancient word for Russia. But, uh, Jim, uh, will Putin steamroll across Europe as Hitler tried to do? Yeah, he'll probably try. Will he be successful? I don't know. In the meantime, we are to vigilantly stand for what's good and proclaim what's true. Amen. That's a fact. Uh, Trenton, I hope that helps out this afternoon. Sure to appreciate your call. Going to talk to Brian now in North Carolina. Brian? Welcome to Exploring the Word. Uh, hello, and thanks for everything y'all do. Um, I'm not very deep in this eschatology. I have a hard time even saying it. I'm kind of like a pantheist who believes everything's going to pan out. But I just had, I've heard tell that people who have heard the Word of God prior to the rapture, and of course today is the day of salvation, but if they heard it prior to the uh when the uh, tribulation begins, that they might not be able to receive it afterward. Do you have any biblical verses or anything that would point one way or the other? Um, Jim, can I speak to that? Um, I, I heard that coming up, and this comes out of Second Thessalonians 2. Second uh, Thessalonians 2 talks about this, that this man of sin, that this Antichrist, um, will deceive the world, and it talks about... Um, wicked uh, deception for those who are perishing because they refused to love the truth and be saved. Therefore, God sends them, 2 Thessalonians 2.11, a strong delusion so that they may believe a lie in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, Jim, when I was a a young believer, um, I, I heard preachers say, that if you were left behind at the rapture, you couldn't be saved during the tribulation because you would believe the strong delusion uh, of the Antichrist. 
Um, I don't know. L- let me just say, we know that those who reject Jesus are lost, and there's no neutrality. I mean, Christ said, if you're not for me, you're against me. So if you have not believed the truth, invariably you're going to fall for what, what is a lie. Uh, Romans 1.18 talks about men who suppress the truth. Uh, Romans 1, 21 through 22 says that uh, of, of the lost world, those who uh, did not honor God or acknowledge God became futile. Their foolish hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise. They became fools. And that's so much of the world today. But here's, here's what I think is what we definitely know. Um, maybe, maybe after, you know, the rapture, and millions are missing, and the tribulation begins to unfold. Maybe there are some people that say, oh my goodness, we we blew it, we need Christ. I'll tell you why I think there are going to be so many people lost during the tribulation, Jim. It's not that they couldn't be saved, but we got to remember, nobody comes to Jesus in the, unless the Holy Spirit is drawing them. Mm-hmm. That's why if there's anybody listening right now and you've not yet given your heart to Christ, been born again. You say, well, you know, I'll, I'll come to the Lord when I get ready. Look, if, if you're feeling drawn to Jesus, that's not the world, your flesh, or the devil. That's the Holy Spirit. And part of the reason so many are going to be lost during the tribulation hour is because the Holy Spirit of God that is drawing people to Christ, even right now, um, the work of the Holy Spirit changes. Now, the Holy Spirit is is calling Jews to Christ because there's going to be 144,000 Jewish Billy Grahams that get born again, they preach the gospel, and they get martyred. But let me just say, folks, regardless of what we're to make of the Second Thessalonians 10, if you're feeling the need of Jesus, call out to him today because you don't know if the Holy Spirit will call you in this way at any future point. You, you don't know about tomorrow, but you do have right now this moment. Amen. Uh, Brian, appreciate the call this afternoon. And we're going to try and get in one more real quick. Uh, Jake from Texas, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, man, thanks for taking my call. I was calling to see, I heard about a scripture that said, God said, Jacob, I love, but Esau, I hated. Why did he hate him? All right. <clears throat> now, Alex, I'll... Please correct me if I get this wrong, but the hate that God was talking about didn't have a lot to do with the human emotions of what we consider love and hate, but it had to do with God choosing one man and his descendants um, over Esau. And so break that down for us a little bit. Wow. Well, thanks very much. Hey, and by the way, thanks for all the calls from Texas. It's been Texas Tuesday, hasn't it? Sure has. Well, let me just say, uh, you're right, Jim. You're you're right, and this is in in Genesis uh, 27, Genesis 33, 29. Uh, but it's almost like the call of God on one family line was so strong that, in human terms, the the not having a call on the other on Esau would would seem almost like hate by comparison. But we know that God loves all people in terms of salvation, but in terms of calling and plans and purposes and the things ordained in the lives of the Jewish people, those, those were very conditional. But God's offer for salvation, it's unconditional. Whosoever will may come. Amen. Hey, folks, if you didn't get your question in this afternoon, send it to us to word at AFR.net, W-O-R-D at AFR.net. Have a great afternoon. Stick around. Washington Watch comes your way next after news here on AFR.